as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. And so, uh, you saw the original show back during its syndication run in the mid seventies. Is right. basically what you told me. And um, yeah. so, how did you dig the mix of you know science exploration, futuristic military presence, and uh, Western kind of planets? I love. I love. I love it. And I've been lucky enough to attend basically four um, sci-fi Star Trek conventions. And I've, I've met a couple, I think I told you, I've met a couple of um, Star Trek of the original cast. I met um, Yeoman Rand, uh, Grace, Lee, Grace Lee Whitney, and um, George Takai. Yeah, when I better. was in college, he actually, it was funny, in college, he opened up a, a video store. I don't know how the owner of the video store in in Columbia, South Carolina, got him to open open it up, but he opened up a a video store. So I was reading Trouble with Tribbles at the time. So he, I th think I brought that book with me, and he autographed he autographed it. So nice. It was, it was pretty neat. No, very neat, because, you know, at that time, you know, different age, different era, different accessibility, and, you know, it was pretty common for guests to just make simple appearances, just like at a convention. <laughs> yeah. At video stores, and it's kind of, it, it, you know, it also wasn't uncommon, you know, you'd see people who used to be, you know, again, the lead on some, you know, 
one of the three major networks on some major show and just come into town, be spotted at a diner, you know. <laughs> yes. So, do you have, do you have a favorite? No, they're all pretty relevant. I'm definitely more of a next gen kind of guy, but I mean, I think this is my second favorite, at least, just because you know, it just had that escapism factor down to a T, and uh, I, it's just really groundbreaking for a late '60s show, you know, to just see, you know, prior to that, you know, you had '50s sci-fi, Day Near Stood Still, Forbidden Planet, stuff that was kind of simple yet thought-provoking and this one kind of enhanced the thought-provoking while adding in kind of what other shows were doing at that time like Mission Impossible just having uh just again just enthusiastic adventure and uh, just atypical kind of planets and how it was all characterized and of course you know as many have said before you know all the whole cast was characterized And I think Star Trek, Star Trek was a launching pad um, for a lot of actors. I mean, Leonard Nimoy went on to 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 do Mission Impossible right after, after Star Trek. So, and it is wild though how the cast had pretty much all known each other from that point. You know. Shatner was and James Duhon who played Scotty were both you know doing a lot of Canadian type you know stage plays on live TV you know in that country and you know in Canada TV and DeForest Kelly and Nimoy and Shatner and all almost all of them had been on you know Rawhide or you know Gunsmoke type shows and Shatner especially was like on Mission Impossible like three different times often playing a henchman <laughs> it just showed how they were just kind of privy to just being on each other's film sets. <laughs> yes. And it was kind of funny just, you know, all these years where we always just make fun of how, you know, the cast kind of couldn't put up with each other. They were too much. And yet at the same time, they slowly embraced, you know, hey, this is what we're going to be known for even into the 80s, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he and Shatner Dekai had, you know, couldn't stand each other and yet you know they're all beloved and uh Nimoy and Shatner got in a fight and then realized well shit we're gonna really have our careers cut out for us and we gotta one-up each other <laughs> we're just so impressed by each other's take on these characters <laughs> yeah and Shat Shatner and Nimoy um shared the same birthday month they, they I, were, I think they were like four days apart in terms of birthdays. I don't know. I I forget who was first, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um but both of them was, I I think Shatner's birthdays slightly before Nemois, but it would make sense toward, to me. Toward the end of March. That's cool. Um, so, also, um, how do you think the, why do all three seasons just still hold up for 
most fans? Is it just a lot of the deep mysteries that they get involved in? Is it just kind of the witty, you know, banter back and forth, or is it a little bit more than that? Yeah, they didn't. I, I, I think they had a good mix of showing what the future might be like, but they would leave it to the imagination. I don't know if you've read books about the making of the original series. You're here and there. More books on how they made the original series and fan books. The first fan book that I got I think at the same time I went to that first convention back in 77 and I met uh, Joanne Winston, one of the writers of Star Trek Lives. She, um, she co-wrote it with two other authors and she, she, um, she, she they tell about how the uh, fandom grew and and stuff like that and it was funny um at the convention they had like a gong show <laughs> and um you know the old game show with chuck barris i got it and she was one of the judges i remember um, they had a lady come out in pajamas and slippers and she gargled the original Star Trek theme. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I bet. Um, and where do you think do you think the show was pre-canceled uh, to, or was that kind of for its own good, you know, and just for syndication purposes and such? I get that it was, but do you feel personally like the story had to end there, or could it have actually done what all the other shows ended up doing, just have four more seasons? <laughs> well, I don't know whether it could have gone another four seasons, like I think all the subsequent shows have gone like, what, seven seasons? But I know that according to all these books, stories I've heard and read, that, you know, it was based on the fans that had they had the third season and that's solely based on there was such a, a clamor for it not to end with just two seasons um so and that's why there was NBC got so many letters that they decided to do a third season. 
But a lot of fans think that's the poor season of them all because I think by that time, everybody was tired of the, you know. And oh, you're talking about the animated? No, the original series. Okay, you said um, you said fourth series, so you mean third? The, no, the TOS. That's what I mean. You you said the third or fourth season. So did you mean? No, the, I said I said that's why they had the third season. It was. Oh, okay. From what I read, it was basically because of so much mail that they got, the NBC got. The executives, the higher ups, got at NBC that that that's why they did a third season. But I think by that time everybody was tired of the you know needed to breathe and yeah <laughs> and fighting and everything whatever problems they had it just kind of multiplied but I don't think the third season was that bad I mean maybe it wasn't as great as the other two but how do you feel I don't have any issues with any of those shows I think maybe it's also a pretty strong first season for any show of any era in terms of just really just sticking with its voice and just fleshing out the whole uh, dealio in terms of stay, you know, uh, co constantly developing its characters while going on a new adventure. But at the same time, uh, I do feel like it takes a while to kind of get adjusted to what you're in for because it was so new and people even starting the show now are going to also those not necessarily tone differences but also kind of stylistic choice differences especially in you know season two you know where it's kind of gets more bolder and adventuresome while season one is a little more philosophical kind of um yeah season three i mean spock's brain i know this often gets mocked and i think it's perfectly groundbreaking episode it just wasn't necessarily what other people wanted to see but i had no issues with it <laughs> no me neither now if anyone wants to be nitpick i mean you'll know instantly what kind of a person you are if you're you can't get in if stuff like this is dated to you but that's kind of the fun of it all it's still very impressive to see how they were building all these props from scratch and <laughs> using a lot of those California deserts that are iconic and have been seen in plenty of other movies for yeah. various planets. Yeah. And the art, artistic scenery was great. Um, I think for what, for what they had they did a terrific job at that time. Holy. Oh. I mean, don't you? I mean, I know it's dated, but for the time, don't you think 
the planets and stuff or when they showed them them going to different planets don't you think the art was art was great oh yeah the artwork is perfectly fine uh, and also uh uh you know that's how you did it back then and they kind of carried that on especially into the first free spinoffs where you know it people would ask how did you design that planet or that on planet look and it's like well it's just a painting and it's just enlarged it's like yeah well it's a pretty good painting <laughs> yeah it's bigger than it's larger than life and i mean well, it could easily be, you know, a B picture, you know, just is enhanced by uh, really absorbing a sense of how the ship functions, how all this other stuff. And I mean, we're still talking about, again, uh, computers, holograms, and everything. And it gets a little even cyberpunk, the whole franchise in some ways. But it's interesting how this was kind of just it really benefited, you know, from also having some of the same actors and themes as Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, you know, it did that same kind of, you know, what could easily be an outer space terror movie and just enhanced it a little more and just made it be uh, a rather cerebral kind of concept for a lot of the creatures. Uh, who's your favorite guest villain? <laughs> oh, my favorite i like the one that i liked the um one um what what was her joanne um joanne linville uh, she was the romulan commander the female romulan commander the, okay what season for our viewers so they can um I think it was the second one. I I don't think it was the first. Okay. Um, the Enterprise incident. I think that's what the title. Okay. Wasn't that the second season? Can you remember? Okay, second. Yeah, season three, episode two. Okay, yeah, yeah. That one gal. Yeah, we're. Was that? Spock is having to gain her trust and it's a very atypical kind of episode because you're wondering the whole time what is her motive what is her agenda <laughs> yeah actually one one of supposedly one of her um joanna linville's uh relatives i know very well he one of his one of her cousin distant cousins he um he later we attended college together so oh wow he, one time when i was over at his house in in south carolina columbia he told me uh she was our she was his distant cousin the romulan commander so that's that's kind of been my favorite episode for a long time but I've also I like all of them really 
yeah, it's got a pretty strong run. There was like maybe only two episodes of season three I didn't really care for where the execution had a little bit to be desired, but for the most part, it's a pretty strong run. I think there's someone for everybody. Yeah. It, it helps that the whole show, you know, which was produced by, again, the same production company as, you know, I Love Lucy, you know, just really just benefited by starting off the show and the sets were just so large. Yes. And I noticed their budget kept getting slashed each season. You know, season one is 190,000, 185,000 by season two, and then by season three, 175,000. So, um, yeah, there, there were kind of, that's what I mean by the infights. People are always, they were always having budget. Um, difficulties or or something like that. So I think it's been remarkable that it did did get on the air um, and go three seasons is because I don't know if it would have lasted um Today, do you think it would have lasted today? Uh, if we had to do it today, it would probably be in a. I mean, this kind of goes back to where it is now, where you know everyone's like, "Why is everything online now?" And it's like because sci-fi just doesn't last all that long. And if it were coming out today, I mean, it would have so. You know, it would it wouldn't have as many barriers to go through. Although this is kind of like rewriting history, because you know, sci-fi movies and show and even other books are so inspired by it. Um, man, if lo and behold, if everything was mostly kind of Star Wars, I guess it would have a lot of problems. Just kind of, it would still have trouble finding an audience. I think, and. Since, you know, Netflix has solved so many problems by, you know, just collecting revenue from, based on how many people are watching it nonstop, um, it would definitely be interesting to see uh, how it would, if it would go longer or if it would just be a one season only show and everyone would be like, curses, it's off the air. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, people don't know how to market that. It's just like, they kind of go for a lot of the mystery nutter stuff and uh or some other stuff but they don't it's really hard to get them to keep stuff like this on the air because it just is a matter of what the network wants versus what uh, uh other people want and almost all the time it's just they always seem to be unimpressed by numbers and not let a show grow. And I really don't know why anyone hasn't figured out sci-fi. It just makes you wonder who's in charge. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think people are too much worried about, you know, whether 
they need to keep shows on long enough for it to grow an audience. Because I know I've liked other shows and then they either moved to the inter internet or move uh, just left the air. So I'm like, gee, I like that show. Totally. Um, so let's uh, go dive really uh, briefly into uh, the animated show, which was just a continuation in the early 70s for just two seasons. Uh, do you feel like a lot of those are just fun leftover episodes that were never done in live action form, or does it just leave a little bit to be desired? Uh, I, I kind of... I can see both points. I mean, yeah, the interesting thing about the show, the animated series, and it, it takes a while for you to get used to it, a lot of characters, like, put their hands animated character put uh, put their hands over their mouths like and I'm like why are they doing that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's just for whatever reason it just costs more for them to animate the mouse and match up with the... <laughs> yeah. I saw well, scrolling through YouTube looking for promos for the show and we'll play, you know, we played the promo at the beginning of this episode. Um, uh, uh, that you know, this aired in reruns on Nickelodeon. It's pretty eye-opening. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. Eighties <laughs> when it was first the thing it make, makes sense. You know, Paramount Network. Um, but yeah, uh, Heroes and Icons, H and I cable TV does a good job of showing all the track shows and you know syndicating them nonstop. And on occasion, they still show even the animated one. It's just cool to see just all of it being embraced. All of it is on DVD. Uh, yeah, in fact, I have the complete series on DVD, animated, nice. Very animated nice. series. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, if you were to introduce this to just other future family, because let's be honest, we're all getting old at some point. And <laughs> This thing will always find an audience. Who do you think is more likely to find it? Do you think uh, very young kids, preteens, kind of like how I was, or is it going to be more just kind of teens and adults? Excuse me. Um, I I think teenage. Yeah, so let, let, let's let the let's turn the phone off first, and then let's. Hold on. Uh, okay. Take care of that. Cool. It's okay to have Sorry interruptions. Okay. It's okay know. to have interruptions. Right. So, no, I think teenagers 
on uh, I don't know I think most kids would enjoy the subsequent shows better um I think it's or I should say I guess it would depend on when you grew up. Um All right. well, I mean don't, don't you feel that's a, a fair assessment? It's both fair and it also just I was just kinda of just going for like future generations. I mean seems like a lot of people know have family members who got into it and it's just that or didn't spend enough time on TV as they did on movies or something like that. Um, yeah. I, I do like the fact that um, the next, next generation brought back you know the old characters like um, Nimoy and um, didn't they do Sulu for one and who else did they do? Uh, Sulu appeared yeah later on Voyager and um, but yeah, it was cool having uh, DeForest Kelly uh, play Bones second to last time. He played him in a computer game as well. Uh, but he, yeah, he's in the pile of the next gen. And then, you know, having Spock as a key two partner, you know, <laughs> involving the Romulans and Vulcans, that was just very, just groundbreaking. Um, and I mean, having Scotty, you know, also show up during a transporter accident that was just another neat way for them to all be involved and I had a old VHS tape that had some UPN marathons that was a lot of fun <laughs> just seeing not only the classic ads for that during the 90s but also just seeing how they would just normally just even dedicate an hour to just rerunning a lot of these shows yeah, but yeah, that there's definitely a lot of connection. I mean, Deep Space Nine does that awesome episode where they travel back to Kirk's time, and um, you know, Enterprise always struggled for a while before kind of finding its voice in the third season. But they tried to acknowledge a lot of you know the original show, but from the sound effects to the kind of aliens they were encountering, um, more or less. I mean. Anyone who uh, doesn't get into it, it just seems like, if anything, they're going to get into the movies. And I just kind of have to just shrug my shoulders and say, okay, well, if that's what you want, if that's what you really admire, then so be it. But most of us uh, would rather prefer, you know, just the old stuff because it leaves us with themes and everything as opposed to the you know recent movies which are just you know junk food but that visually 
keep your attention going, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. The original six movies, I think, did did pretty much follow the um, old series because they always had a message with 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 um a point to it like people I think people still like for uh, you know um the Spock search for Spock and also uh for um the only movie that I didn't like of the original series was five i i i didn't like how um shatner you know it was kind of different and it just didn't capture the for like the first four did well yeah. you know what i mean it's basically an incomplete episode and then some other just ego talking and it's kind of just more amusing and just uh, how a franchise can almost, you know, outstay its welcome. <laughs> yeah. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host Cure What Ails You. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. Mm -hmm. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm -hmm. Music. music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, please. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. 
undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say ah. Yeah, all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, 
often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson 
his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet, and in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.